I've been watching all my favorite Halloween cartoons. Obviously, the great, <laughs> the great pumpkin. Oh, are we starting? Are we, are we doing it? I'm doing it. I don't know what you're doing. You gotta, you gotta give me a warning because otherwise, I think we're still on like girl talk where we get to talk freely and without well, I, repercussions. I, I do have the power of the edit, so I guess that's that's something. You Ooh, should be how the of. tables have turned. <laughs> I will have to say, if we are starting, you will have to stop eating popcorn. Oh, fine. <laughs> okay, okay. Finish so, the whole bag. Fucking Charlie Brown, but also... Um, what is this thing I heard about? They're not going to air uh, peanut specials for the holidays this year? Did you hear yeah, about that? I did. I mean, I don't know. I guess that's a way to get people to buy discs or something. Right. I mean... Why would you announce that? Just don't do it and see what people say. If you're so confident to not program the show, why would you announce that? I don't know. I think you're onto something. Yeah, it sounds like they didn't want to pay for it. And the what is it, ABC that always airs it? Or is it CBS? I don't know. I have the disc. I play it nonstop. Right. I mean, nah, but when it's on TV, I watch it too. It's just it's just a comfort thing. It is yeah, there are certain things that whenever they're on TV, I have to cancel my plans and watch them. Word. A Halloween episode of any TV show, even if I like it or not, yeah, I will watch it. I I'm there too. Especially Roseanne. Roseanne did Roseanne great had Hall the best. Oh my god. Halloween. My tradition since moving to New York <laughs> was to make, you know, apple cider whiskey cocktails, carb a pumpkin, and watch all of the Roseanne Halloween specials. And the minute she had to like say something super fucking racist and get canceled, now I've like, oh, I can't even enjoy that anymore. I have to like preface it to the room of people who I carve pumpkins with like um, we don't subscribe to the shit she's selling now but this is great I love some Halloween ones that actually don't get played too much like Ray Bradbury's The Halloween Tree have you seen that cartoon? Is this like 80s? 90s? What? I think it's 90s I think it's right. like early to mid 90s um, but another one that I love which was 80s is Journey Back to Oz what? Yeah, it's It's not Return to Oz. You're no, talking about something completely different. Completely different and very similar to Return to Oz. Pretty dark. Um Okay. Is there shock treatment in it? There's no shock treatment in it, but the witches, Are there wheelers? There are no wheelers. There's It actually has Liza Minnelli as the voice of Dorothy. Um <laughs> Mickey Rooney. I have to sit down for that one cuz I got vertigo. Ethel Merman is the voice of the witch, and it is ridiculous. This is made for gays. Oh, wow. I love these. It's dark. Both of them are super dark. And Banicula, the old 80s cartoon, <laughs> Banicula. You know what I cartoon I loved growing up that I haven't seen since is Duckula. You know, I've never seen that because I don't uh, think that came out till I was already in high school. Right. This was like first generation Nickelodeon. Yeah, which I was had the pleasure of growing up with, and well, compilation what, of. Do it. you have any Halloween movie traditions? Uh, normally I do. There are usually like five to ten horror Halloween horror movies that I love to throw on and have people over. I've been doing something that I've been trying to do for the last five six years, which is which is catch up on all the movies that I had missed while we were making Scream Queen, um, plus all the classic horror movies that 
have just escaped my education. Uh, last night, I just watched this, like the first horror film made in the Soviet Union in 1967. It's a, it's like a fairy tale witch story. It's called V. I think I'm saying that right. Spelled V-I-Y. V, and yeah. Yeah, it's this guy, he's got to watch over this dead witch in a church or something. He's got to watch her body in the casket for three nights. And if he can survive three nights without getting scared, he like gets a bunch of money. And every night while it's happening, the witch kind of like rises from her grave and tries to get him. But he's drawn a giant protective circle and chalk in the floor and she can't penetrate that. And the first night she tries, unsuccessful as soon as the rooster crows in the morning the spell is broken she goes back to like being dead in the coffin you know i bought this right on your suggestion and it's coming here so you're gonna spoil the whole shit i'm not gonna i'm I'm, I'm setting up what is phenomenal about it okay it's very simple kind of like fairy tale story structure and it fucking delivers Hmm. i love the the way it looked i loved that trailer so much i'm surprised i haven't seen it Also, one of the other things that I recently discovered um, from the Peacock streaming platform, they have all these old hammer horror vampire films, which I have never, I haven't seen a lot of hammer horror. So Mm, I'm kind of- my favorite. And I watched The Brides of Dracula, Mm -hmm. which doesn't have Dracula. Right. um, But Peter Cushing is there and it has one of the like best lesbianic, Power Butch, like Madam, Madam, yep, which was giving me like the horror version of Miranda Priestly from Devil Wears Prada. Totally, she shows up in the movie and just demands that someone serve her wine. And I'm like, (laughs) this is what movies are about. This is what I want. She looks gorgeous. The gowns are fantastic. Not to like completely fag out, but like it is such a lush production, and it looks gorgeous. Um, but there's this like underlying homophobic kind of understanding. Her son is like the new Dracula and she keeps blaming herself for how she raised him. Like she was too, too, like too strict or too something. Like it's very, it sounds like that argument when parents who realize their son is gay, that they're like, well, I shouldn't have uh, been so nurturing or I should have like, it is that same kind of connotation. And- I mean, if you, if you look at the sets, all of the Hammer <laughs> Horror productions are made by a million gay people. So right. I, I wouldn't disregard this as being intentional. Right. I, I think it's very intentional. And oh, I love all those Hammer Horror ones. <laughs> uh, last thing I have to mention, I did watch the new Halloween special of Dracula, the Boulay Brothers Dracula. We're going to talk about them all the time because they're fantastic. It yeah. was the best the show has ever been. It is moody. It's creepy. It's a single show. I mean, it's a single, single episode. It's like a two. It's like an extended mini. I don't want to compare it to RuPaul's Drag Race, but to get people on board, it was like the All Stars version of the last three seasons. Some of their favorite contestants, previous contestants, they give them each a three look challenge, and whoever wins gets twenty thousand dollars and a spot on season four. Fantastic. So it's a a standalone Halloween episode, basically. Right, right. That's awesome. And also delivers on the emotional arcs of all these people. And like, I truly care about them. 
You know what? I love it. That's what makes right. me love this. Drag isn't new for me and horror isn't new for me. And I'm, right. you know, an old bitter goat most of the time. But that's what makes me absolutely giddy for this show is the fact that they're constantly reminding people that there is a heart to this that needs right. to be beating. I also love their critiques. Like there's like a laundry list of like, here's what you did. Here's what we like. Here's what needs improvement. And this is what's not connecting. And so it's not it, cunty. It's, you know, right. It's not necessarily like playing for jokes mm-hmm. in the way other competition shows are. It's like, oh, I could actually learn something from this. And there Ten was a debate up. whether or not whoever won was the most deserving. And I have to say that I absolutely agree. In November, let's have a recap. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm watching kids stuff. You're watching <laughs> old stuff. That's cute. Right. I love the fact that you're going back and having a 31-day October horror fest, which I'm noticing on social media, everybody's doing. And I love it. And I wish I could be taking part in that. But I think with all of the work that I've been involved in and the world that we live in now, I feel like I need my kids' cartoons <laughs> and my TV sitcoms only. I'm having a okay. harder time okay. committing to longer horror films. Uh, but I have found myself really loving a TV series called Kim's Convenience. Okay. Love. Have you heard of this? Uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. I've seen the picture, the thumbnail, but I have not uh, invested any time in it. Tell me more. Yeah. So it's a simple sitcom of a Korean family in Canada who run a convenience store and the whole family lives upstairs. And they've got all the wacky neighbors, all the white and African people and Indian people that are the secondary characters are all zany and loony. And they play on the stereotypes with a no-holds-barred tone, but it's still very charming. A sitcom like this is easy to watch, but I thought it was really relevant since the topic of visibility comes up with our new guest. Absolutely. So we we have Harvey Guyen on our show. He is Guillermo from the hands down fucking fantastic show, What We Do in the Shadows. I have to pause you right here because I have to own my little shit a little, t- a little bit. Um, when the show came out, you were gung-ho about it from day one and mm. have been trying to get me to watch it for, I don't two years now it's been out Mm. and I was resisting it for so long. I don't know why I have no good reason to, but you like comedy horror stuff. I do. And I, I feel like maybe that's why I am resistant to it because I love comedy. I love horror. Rarely do the two meet in a satisfying way for me. That being said, I did binge watch both seasons in preparation for this interview. Yes. And I loved it. Yeah. And uh, you knew I would love it. I knew it. I, I knew. Still was but I like, also, you don't know me better than I know myself, and I don't want to watch that. This and is now this like, is the key I, I was gonna bring more. up. It's you don't like recommendations. I you're I mean, you're right. There are there are like five people in the world who can recommend me things mm-hmm. that I don't already know if I have an opinion about. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I I, I yeah. don't want Oprah's book club either, you know. <laughs> 
If I read it, it's not because she you told know, me to. You know there are going to be some good books on there, but the fact that it's her recommendation makes you like, well, I can't be that basic. I can't just like uh-huh. So now this circles back to, to the fact that it was me that kept telling you to, to watch this. So anyway, uh, but you loved it. You binged both seasons. I binged both seasons. And then we got to speak with Harvey and he was exquisite <laughs> he's he is like a long lost sister what we do in the shadows is perfect the theme i love the the horror theme i love the jokes of the characters of the music i love the, oh my god the set design and the costumes it's it's too good god oh damn my god. it when they go out in the town with the baron and he eats <laughs> pizza for the first time and just like projectile vomits across the street all of it is perfect and i've been that cool and i love the fact that they have harvey playing a character who is oh he's 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 the hero we all need i'm just gonna say that so i'm really excited to talk to him we get to find out some of the backstory here when we're back we have harvey guillen star of tv's what we do in the shadows and now zoe's extraordinary playlist be right back. There'll be food and drink and ghosts and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. Guillermo is my familiar, but sometimes it's a little too familiar, you know what I mean? I mean, he's always just there. I think it's good, Master. I mean, he works really hard. He's just not great at it. I love my cake stuff. Mm. I don't like saying this kind of thing in front of him, of course. Sorry, Guillermo. I don't like saying this kind of thing in front of you. That's okay, Master. Harvey, I am so happy that you are talking to us um, right now. Where are you right now? <laughs> Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn? Okay. Yes, both of us are. He's not far. I've been talking about this forever, and I wanted to tell you that Tyler and I just were on tour with our film called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. And we were flying around all all around the country all last year, going to these festivals, going to these parties, meeting all these new people. And for me, that was like, I loved representing the movie. I did not love going and meeting new people all the time. Like being thrown in those social situations where everyone's having cocktails. And I'm just like, oh, God, I want to go home. And I decided that my icebreaker was going to be like, have you watched what we do in the shadows? Oh, because really? <laughs> it was absolutely every time, hands down, the thing that made everybody stop and go, oh, my God, I love that show. But that right. is- We're all indoor kids. Indoor kids, for sure. <laughs> was, icebreaker. I never, I've never heard that story. So that's actually the first time I've heard that as- Someone's using, uh, have you watched the show as an icebreaker? That's a good icebreaker. Everybody would gasp. Like people that hadn't (laughs) said two words to each other were always like, oh my God. And your character was, we'll we'll get into all that. But I just wanted to say thank you. You made my, my social anxiety much more tolerable. And, um, and, and it's, I mean, it's beloved, so. Right. He's a regular Wednesday Adams normally, so this is a good highlight for him to connect to people with, and I agree. He's been telling me to watch this show 
forever and I finally did and I fucking loved it. I finished it literally <laughs> two hours ago. So oh I am gosh. prepared. It was it was the best uh oh wow cram session that I could have did you watch all of it one? all of it all of it oh wow all of it good job I've watched I them like it. four times I'm I'm not kidding I love them um how, so we have a mutual friend Darren Stein yes Darren uh Darren and I met like I think it was like four or five years ago I think someone invited me because he has um back then he would have like friends come over and watch drag race at his house and uh, uh, we had a mutual friend too, who also invited me. And that's how I met him through his like party. And then after that, he's been so great. He's just been like, oh my God, come to my Halloween party. Oh my God. And then we hang out, we go to like events, mm. we have dinner. Like it's been like a really nice, uh, you know, cause you also, I grew up and I watched, you know, Jawbreaker. <laughs> so it's kind of right. like a surreal moment to be like, oh my God, like they're insane. Um, but then he gets <laughs> number and he's like the most like, you know, a fabulous person like you know he's just like right? he's just i love his energy he has such great energy so um i'm just lucky to count him as a friend <laughs> i i have to say the same thing too i i mean within the gay community especially like uh mentorship or even just true friendship is something that i think a lot of us still feel a little insecure about and he has always been a cheerleader yeah, a hundred percent. He's the first person. Uh, he's your biggest cheerleader, and that's uh, and like you said, that's really hard to find sometimes, especially in Hollywood, and especially, um, mm. you know, in the queer community, just because there's some kind of uh, unsaid rule that like everyone's every queen's after you know each right. other, and it's just like no, it doesn't have to be like that. Like Drag Race, like helps with that. You know, we you always mm. like the queens who are nice and like help out. Even yeah. when Bianca was like super, like you know, harsh and she would help people when they needed that, you know, it's right. even you're human. And that's why Bianca is so <laughs> beloved because she'll t- tell you how it is. But at the end of the day, she's still a good person in her heart. You just know she is. And that's what yeah. we need. But at the end of the day, I need to know that if I fell, you would pick me up. I want to ask you how all of this success has been for you. Like what's your social life now? Aside from social corn. life. What's that? <laughs> yeah. Right. But I mean, it's this, you're already going into season three now. This has been a while for you. Like this, you, I mean, you've been like working on awesome shit since 2010. Has your life changed significantly from this show? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so funny. Cause it, you know, it's so funny when people, you know, don't see the work, like, you know, like if you know that I've been working since like 2010, but a lot of people don't know that. And they think, who's this newcomer, you know? And it's right, like, yeah. oh no, I've been hmm. doing it. I mean, I've been trying to do it, you know, but you know, this business is hard and the highs are high and the lows are low. And when you're on a show, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're successful. Like you could be on a show that only runs one season. You could also mm. be on a show that runs a couple seasons, but nobody watches, you know? You, the difference with this, this show is that once I did the pilot, so I just thought when, when I was shooting the pilot, I was just like, this is good. Like I was just like, this is like a combination of things, like the way that it was written because you know, you don't see a lot of comedies and uh, documentary style or mockumentary. And like, and I'm a big yeah. fan of that, like Waiting for Guffman, Best in yeah. Show, um, you know, all those show, all those movies and the show, like The Office, you know what I mean? Like uh, I was a big fan of, so it's like, oh, and it's the same casting director as The Office. So oh, really? it was just like, oh my God. But she also cast everything under the sun. Allison Jones cast her to like, you know, um, everything like uh, bride. These are the friends like, to have, right? The, yeah, these are the. You know, so these people. I was really coming to the audition just to kind of impress the casting director. That's all I wanted to do. Sure. <laughs> like, I, I used to be a casting director, but for radio, so I I got to know some of the tricks. A lot of the people would people would be sent in that wouldn't necessarily be right on paper, but that doesn't you know 
mean that it you're, doesn't you're matter. Not, you, know, you could be right for something else. Like, you know, exactly. The originally was 20 years older than I am. And it wasn't at all in my category. Wasn't it was a like, woman originally? No, it had been seen as both male and female. And really? they weren't like sure they had an idea They originally had like that. Uh, Jimmy had an actor in mind that he kind of thought would uh, would work and it didn't work out. Mm. And I just swooped in at the last minute. I went to a wine and cheese night and at the last <laughs> minute met a girl there that my friend had invited me to her wine and cheese night. It was her friend. Her name was Yvonne. And the next day she texted me and I didn't give her my number. She was like, hey, I got your number from Mimi. I hope you don't mind. You should audition for my fiance's new show. And I was like, what? And she's like, I don't do those kind of films anymore. <laughs> They're illegal. I mean, how cute uh, is the fiance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you came in, you dressed the part as you saw it or... Yeah. Well, I wanted to age myself because I had just shaved. And if you can't, you can't see me right now, but like I, I have a little bit of a scruff when I don't shave. This is, this is like two weeks, you guys. And it's not a lot. <laughs> Shut up. I'm like teen wolf then. Because yeah. Like, it was like two that's me in 10 minutes. Yeah. And so for me, I had just shaved like the day before I got the audition. So I was a baby face and they were like looking for someone who's 20 years older, my age. And I already, you know, look young. So I was like, oh no. So I actually got a sponge and I put eyeliner on it because I had no makeup. And I put no. <laughs> it's an old and theater trick. I parted my hair in the middle because I, I wanted to make myself look older. And I thought a Victorian haircut will make you look really old. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. I parted my hair. Um, I popped some Harry Potter glasses that I, I actually am looking at those glasses that I wore to the audition, you guys, right now. <laughs> They're yeah. right. I literally have the glasses. Um, I got this like nasty sweater vest and a mustard orange like shirt long sleeve and I was like if this doesn't make them think I'm old <laughs> I don't know what will well and it worked it so. worked and and you know it's been like like I said the show has been like such a blessing I'm so lucky and grateful to be on it and and the you know, direction that Guillermo's taking has been such a nice curveball because you know when we're doing the show the pilot you're like this is so cool but you think about it it's like vampires who have been living together for hundreds of years with their human familiar you know, the vampires don't have um, to worry about feelings or aspirations or goals or any, or because they're, you know, they're immortal. Yeah. So for a foolish mortal like myself, time is of the essence when your dreams are like right in front of you and you can't reach them and the clock is ticking. Right. And that's what drives us as human, right? Like we're all just like trying to make our goal, our dream, our life, be with our partner, have yeah. a happy life. And the clock is ticking. And it's just like, it's never, you can't stop it. And with the vampire, they're like, oh, we don't give a fuck. Like we're live for forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is where, you know, the nice, um, you know, Justification of everything is with human and vampire relationships. So it's lucky that they have that set in like that world because it really kind of brings a little bit of heart to the show is how we all kind of see ourselves in Guillermo. We've all been a Guillermo at one point in our lives at a oh. job we didn't like mm -hmm. uh, within a relationship that like we might like the other person more than they like us. And we're like still in a relationship and we're like, no, you know, he, he loves me. <laughs> yeah, I know he does. Um, and we've all been Guillermo's. We've all been him. So somebody told me this at a con, they said, uh, Guillermo's the people's familiar and I was like he is the people's familiar because he represents all of us so it's like everybody well, like, if you're cheering for the underdog you're cheering for yourself because mm -hmm. a win for Guillermo is a win for all of us right. we need that on a t-shirt yeah <laughs> for real I was Go talking to Roman before you got on um watching both of the seasons back to back like I did like I saw your arc um it felt very similar to like a final girl in a slasher movie that I always love. I always gravitate towards that. I love a, 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 a meek or a 
sensitive character kind of coming into their own and then, you know, kicking ass by the end of the film. And you absolutely do that. How, yeah. how is that transition? Like you're reading scripts and you're like, oh, I have to like fly around the room now. And well, it's funny people. that you mentioned that because they don't tell us ahead of time. Like we show up to the table read and that's when we find out. Like I showed up to, I didn't know about season one finale until the finale uh, reading, the table read. Like I showed up to the last episode read and I was like, wait, what? And they're just like, yeah. And he's like, so it's like, oh, and I was in my head, I was like, well, that's totally different than what I was thinking. Like, also because, you know, if you think about it, Guillermo could have easily been a character who, who got lost literally in the shadows. He was always in season one there. Guillermo doesn't talk a lot. <laughs> no. If you look closely at the episodes, he does not speak up for himself. And then when he does, he gets reprimanded and he's given demerits in another year of basically being, uh, you know, uh, another, another year of being a familiar to his master. And so he doesn't speak up for the fear of saying the wrong thing. Uh, but if you just look at his face, his face says a lot. Yep. <laughs> his face, oh, reading it all. <laughs> the library I mean, you see, is open. You see a progression of attitude, which is like what you want. Like as a viewer, I'm like, I want him to fight back. And each time you have to look at the camera, the intensity grows. And so we know it's coming. Yeah, and you know coming. you're waiting for it. And and the idea that if you look closely in season two, uh, he's still living a double life. The way that he talks inside the household is still like professional. I'm trying to make my dream come true. <laughs> Don't upset the boss. Don't upset the co-workers at the house because they're just going to give you demerit. Just do your job. Don't make waves and keep going forward. But when he starts hanging out with the Mosquito Club and people mm -hmm. outside the household, you see mm -hmm. more of Guillermo's real essence and true self because that's we're never the same person we are in front of our boss than we are with our, you know, girls at home, you know, hanging out with the girls or mm -hmm. when we're with someone on a date or when we're, we're always a different person for whatever reason it benefits us in that moment. And so Guillermo has really done a good job of like, this is work mode. And then when he's starting to peek into like a little bit of, what is this world? You like me here? Hey Guillermo, you're a pretty cool dude. When yep. Craig Robinson says that, and that's like, that's the first time anyone's ever said that to him. <laughs> it's yeah. just like a really sweet moment, but also he starts thinking, maybe I am a cool dude. Maybe I've been told I'm nothing, I'm worthless, I'm just a stupid human for so long that you're starting to believe your captor, you know, <laughs> your Stockholm syndrome. And yeah. and I love that the direction that we're, you know, showing him and and all that stunt stuff was amazing. I didn't know that either. I showed up to, <laughs> I literally showed up to the, the first day of season two and I was reading the script on and I was like, wait, Guillermo kills a vampire, Guillermo. I was like, what's going on? And they're like, can we <laughs> You're going to get a stunt double, but we, we want to see how much you can do, right? We want to see how much you can do. I <laughs> went to the gym like three or four times. I lost 20 pounds. I gained muscle. Hey, snap. And yeah, I, was that's like, I, I didn't know that was going to happen, though. And I was like, bitch, if I knew this was going to happen, I would hit the gym all over the summer. I was eating in and out all summer like nobody's business. Right. I mean, how long did it take you to do what you did? Well, I had to do it quick. And so yeah. people think you must have had months and months of training. It's like we work a really tight schedule because, um, you know, most of the actors are from the UK, from London, and they have other shows as well. And everyone's working all over the world. So we only get everyone scheduled line really to be from mid-October till Christmas Eve. So we shoot the whole show in oh, two wow. months. And wow. that's unheard of. Like people are usually like, what? It's like, no, we shoot one episode every three to four days so people most people will take eight days 12 days to shoot an episode we do it quick and we're also working long hours so if you can only imagine it's 
it's like you go 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 so we didn't i didn't have a lot of time to train i had to learn that stunt finale that you saw me do that i mm -hmm. posted a, a thing on video on twitter people were like wow <laughs> was that like after rehearsal for weeks and weeks and i was like bitch that was after 30 minutes of rehearsal right this isn't uma thurman and kill yeah Bill. i was like bitch we don't got four months in fucking you know taiwan that's, to learn like that's awesome though that's awesome yeah. But it makes you think like I I'm pretty like flexible and agile. Like I'm just like I have years of like dance training, which helped me a lot in this. But then I was thinking, what if they cast someone who was not good <laughs> at like picking up beat? That would have helped production. And so even like looking back, like even the producer's like, that looks really good. And even our stunt coordinator take was like, man, he's like, you're doing all your stunts. Like my stunt guy literally was like, put me in coach, and like he never went in. <laughs> For any of my sense, jumping out of the window, I did it myself. I did it all myself. With the, the best moment, the best yeah. moment. The double bird was that in the right. I just noticed that for the first time, rewatching it for the fourth time, and I was like, "Wait, how did I miss the middle fingers? That's like my trademark." But right, right. I love it. Right. Yeah. He wasn't born with enough of them. I wasn't. I. I actually love the fact that the very opening shot is your character. We are introduced to the show through your character and immediately the speech about the representation, which I feel is like for us and the movie that we did and the audiences that we were always talking to, that was the topic on hand was visible representation. So this is a picture of me as our mom from Interview with the Vampire, played by Antonio Banderas. That was the first time I've ever seen an Hispanic vampire in mainstream, like, movies. And I said, if he can do it, I, I can do it. Now, your character isn't introduced as a gay character, but the sentiment is the same. And it was the yeah. very first thing they led with. And I was like, oh, my God. It is, it is happening. Um, yes, everyone on the show, uh, which I'm happy to report, everyone on the show is queer. Every one of these characters, if you look closely, we don't lead by the fact that like, oh, I think they are. If it's there, it's a hint and it's sprinkled there and you are always wanting more. These people are living, these vampires, these humans are living their life. And when they cross that bridge, it's just part of life. And then no one makes a big like, whoa, that right. they might be gay. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's not written into anything. It just is, which is yeah. nice. And yeah. which is nice that that's just life. There, yeah. I'm actually surprised that your show is a, such a big hit as it is because I love it so much. It would have to be niche, but it isn't. People love it, <laughs> well, you know? I think that we found the nice formula where uh, this show is very much niche. You know, like people are either into it and just like people who are in, like, into the movie, we were mm. waiting for a lot of people to be like, it's not the movie. Don't even try it. <laughs> right? It's not the same. And it's just like, we're not trying to, we're not trying to replace mom and dad. All right? <laughs> We're just your uncle and aunt who came to visit. But like, we're just representations of that world and we're not those characters. We wanted to make that clear. And they, they, when put together, I mean, like you can't deny the chemistry that these characters have. Like I've never been on a set where every single one of my castmates, like we could just play hot potato and like go on yeah. forever, you know? It's like, yeah. we had a take actually in the first season where it should have been only like a two minute scene. We, we did a scene, an improv scene for 26 minutes. <laughs> And didn't yell cut. <laughs> As an editor, I hate you. Go ahead. Before I forget, my favorite thing in the opening credits scene is your little glamour shot. Is that real? Is that an art department like 
perfect the rendition. Glamour, like the, uh, as a child. Yeah, yeah. So there's so in the opening credits, you see uh, it's actually a real uh, school picture of me uh, in <laughs> third grade. Which, by the looks of it, you think that kid's in fifth grade for sure. <laughs> third grade, and I remember I love that shirt because it had these little like uh, wings, like pilot wings on the uh, lapel Embroidery. or whatever the um, pocket thing. And then um, it's like, you know, the the side picture, it's like looking <laughs> forward and then looking to the side. Yes. Um, I, I sent them a whole bunch of pictures to pick from and they were asking if I had a picture of me as a vampire, which I know I do somewhere and I could not find it for the life of me. I asked my mom and I was like, didn't I go as a vampire one year? I was like, you did. And it's like, but I don't know if you took a picture. I was like, you didn't take a picture of me as a vampire? <laughs> and they're like, no. And then I was like, when the closest thing we got was like me as like a half discount mummy, which was me with ace bandages all around <laughs> me. Um, and we couldn't find that picture. So they actually hired an act, a kid actor to do the vampire picture because cute, they were cute. a kid who like me and they cast him. He did a great job. And we used it for the, the pilot and we kept it in my room. So the picture is still in my room to this day on set. <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> I, I, I have a picture of me as a childhood vampire with a, with a unibrow. Save it, because you never know. Right? Don't make I'm ready. I did. It's true. <laughs> when the movie Annie came out in 1982, I think I lost my mind. I was like, I want to be an actor. It really, like, there was something about that fucking movie where I was like, I love this so much. And I really wanted to take classes at the Children's Playhouse. And I think my parents were like, this kid is not going to go up on that stage. So, no. So, I never ended up doing it. But I did end up getting cast in a school play in like third grade where I was a guy who lived in New York City and was going out on a date. And I had an apartment full of animals that tear shit up when I leave. I know. It's a whole thing. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to be Go the on. They cast me <laughs> because I had a Miami Vice linen blazer like Don Johnson. And all the kids are like, that's like an, a man going on a date jacket. This was in the early 80s. So I got cast as a lead and I thought, I really like this. And then when it was over, I'm like, that was so stressful. I'm never doing this again. You so, a man going on date. That was man going on date. I forget my name. I think it was based off of Garfield. Was this Don. playing as a straight man? <laughs> well, you, you know, know what? I didn't even think about who I was going on the date with. Just that my cats were breaking stuff when I left, you know? <laughs> sure. Well, um, you know what's so funny? That's, I don't know if you know this, but that's how I fell into acting. My love for acting. I thought you were going to ask play? me about how I fell into acting because the first time I ever fell in love with acting was when I saw Annie. When I was, really? The movie? I thought you, I thought you were leading up to that. I actually thought this, no. this your story was leading up to this. I was like, well, oh, okay, sorry. I <laughs> no, well, this is so funny. Story. No. My the I realized because I couldn't remember half my lines and I had to make them up. That I hate improv. I can't do it. I couldn't even do it with the script. So when I found out that Shadows was all improv, I'm like. Oh, shit. Well, I, no, we do a lot of improv, but it's not all improv. Like, it's people will get that, like, oh, that's why it's so good, because it's so so much improv, it's never scripted, but it is scripted. We have amazing writers um, that, like, you know, Stephanie Robinson, like, Paul Sims, like, they're executive producers, but they're also writers in the show. Um, and the rest of the team, this is super talented, um, they write amazing scripts. Like, sometimes I read the script, and I was like, this is great. I'm ready to mm. shoot. Like, this is fantastic. And then you forget that when you get to set, they're going to say, do one with the script, like it's script exactly word per word, and then do one how 
you would do it as Guillermo, as Nasha, as Nandor, as all your characters, but know where you're going. Cause you know, we know what the story is now. We know we're going from A to B and C. So just get there, just get to your destination, but in your own words. And we do that. And I would say that what the final cut of the show is 50, 50, 50% scripted and 50% improv, but the improv is always in the same world. So the words might change a little bit and whatnot, but it was always in the same bubble. Uh, how do you, like, you can't really prepare for that, right? Like, you just have to show up well, on set and you guys build yeah. a rapport together, right? Yeah, you can't really practice. I mean, you can't, you can, you know, get trained in, in uh, improv, which I recommend everyone do. Um, it's just being quick on your feet. You can be so clever and so smart and never resort to, like, you know, like getting crazy because you're so quick with your words. Um, and that's what improv is. Improv is being so quick on your feet that you you believe the scenario and, and that it's thrown your way and the audience believes it and they go along with it. Um, but you're so also you can, not yeah. shooting in sequence. And right. it's a lot of it's last minute. So even if it's scripted, it still kind of has to be last minute always. Right. right? Um, I think for me, we learned that for season to especially with Guillermo because of the story arc and where we're headed we don't we don't know the story ahead of time and so sometimes we also shoot out of order which means that in one week we might be shooting episode two of season two and also episode six of season two like on a Monday we're shooting episode two and on a Tuesday we're shooting episode nine is someone is like, someone keeping you in the know of like where you are at this time no and so that's the danger of for the vampires that's that doesn't matter, you know, because every episode for them, it gets wrapped up pretty good. And right. it, but for the human in the show, it kind of became a challenge because I was like, wait, what's happening? And because yeah. you go to episode eight and it's like, Guillermo's driving a car. So like, when did he fucking get a car? <laughs> oh, he got it in episode six. What happened in episode six? I can't tell you. And it's like, you can't tell me? It's oh, because like, they don't want spoils. They don't right? want spoils. Like, I'm the one acting it. <laughs> like, yeah, right? It. I was like, I think you can afford to spoil the story on me. And they're like, we just can't. And they were so secretive about it. Like, we couldn't get any information from our costume designers. Like, they were like, oh, we have to have a fitting hobby. I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, why am I covered in blood? Oh, because, oh, I can't tell you. Wait, so <laughs> they can know, but you can't? Yeah, and it'd be like, <laughs> oh, for this next time, we have to have a fitting for next week's episode where you're completely covered in blood. I was like, why am I covered in blood? Oh, you didn't read the script, huh? Oh, it's like, well, I didn't get the script. And it's like, right, right. I can't tell you. <laughs> As somebody like, who works on set, I can promise you that they are the ones that should not have the information. So <laughs> well, the thing is that they need the information because they need to have the costumes done sure. in 24 hours. And so they need to like hurry up and have you fitted and do their job, which they do an amazing job. Yes. So the same thing goes for makeup and hair and prosthetics. It was like, why is half of my face melted? Oh, because <laughs> I can't tell you. It's like, what is going on? And so that was one of my things that I had to go as a challenge this season. So it really pushed me as a thespian. Mm. Um, I said thespian. And then <laughs> just, it was hard that way. And so I, I brought that up to like the producer. I was like, maybe next season, just give me a little more of a hint, you know, just right. like what's happening with the, and uh, they still won't. Are you, <laughs> are you, well, you would never know. Uh, are you able, are you talking about the finale of part of season two yet or is, no. Oh yeah, that's out. Everyone knows okay. about it. So if you haven't seen it, then uh, you're late to the party. Right. Uh, if you haven't seen it, basically we we have this great climax where the people that I've uh, worked for and lived with for the last eleven years, uh, they're 
afterlife, I guess, is in jeopardy and their livelihood or just uh, they're in danger and I need to like protect them and really shows how, how much Guillermo's still uh, a softy, even though with these natural powers to kill uh, vampires easily because of his Van Helsing um, lineage that's in him, uh, he's still a good guy. And like, it's kind of a great thing to play as an actor because you see this world where like, he still has to get rid of bodies. He still has to like find his master victims, but he doesn't <laughs> like doing it. And, he, and, and I loved the fun. dry heaving when the guy was stuck in the, the pit and the arm yeah. comes out he, anyway. He gave me an arm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Um, uh, yeah, Kyle Nuichek directed that episode uh, and he's awesome. And he directed like, and he also co-created Workaholics and like, yeah. he was amazing. Um, I remember with him, he's like, yeah, man, try it. Like, I was like, wouldn't he be kind of grossed out? He doesn't like this. Guy. I mean, the smell of fermented, like human remains and the pit and he's next to it. Like, Guillermo's was really sensitive when it comes to smells and like stuff like that. For yeah. someone who wants to be a vampire, he, I think he has an idea of what a vampire or what kind of vampire he would be if he were allowed to be a vampire. It'd be like the idea of, you know, um, Antonio Banderas and it's like he's glamorous and he's good looking and he's tall and he's handsome so there's all these things that he thinks come with the territory without knowing that like you'll become a vampire at the state that you're in now only just a little bit like you know glow up <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah what would his superpower be um I've been thinking about like someone asking that question and I was like that's a tough one I feel like because Technically, he does have, you know, Van Helsing blood in him. So would that interact with the new powers that, you know what I mean? So like, Would, would you be, be a like, blade? Yeah, I don't know if he could like turn his arms into like weapons and like or something or, you know, or I don't know. I don't know. And the sky's the limit, literally, because he probably would fly and kill people in the sky. <laughs> Speaking of flying in the sky, you did a lot of like wire work. What do they call that? that yeah, wire work, stunt work, yeah. Yeah, how was uh, that? Like, was, uh, was in that the your first final, time? Well, it's in a number of episodes, right? <laughs> right like, there's like, somewhere you're in the mirror, dusting. Yeah, yeah, all. yeah. We we did wire work for Guillermo since season one. Yeah, uh, I was excited. Uh, a lot of the cast doesn't like it. Uh, I think Matt Berry's afraid of heights, so I felt really bad for him because they had to do a scene outside of. They were shooting outside of a college when they go and visit Jenna at school, and mm -hmm. I was the coldest day in winter and it was like gust of wind that was going through Toronto. So we couldn't get a scene because like they were all like flying, but they were all being bombed <laughs> around and people can't see this. The audience can't see what yes. my fingers are doing, but they're intertwining with each other. And so they would say the lines are like, I don't know. And like, they, <laughs> and they would hit the wall and like, it was a brick wall and they were on the oh, third no. floor being blown up. It's like, I think the and then he's like, oh, don't cry now, my baby little. <laughs> and she's like, they're getting banged into the cement wall and brick wall. And I was just looking at them because I have one line in that scene. I go like, let's go masters or something stupid. And I was like, I felt so bad for them. But I was really looking forward to the flying. And I like it. It's uncomfortable. Um, you know, it's all your junk is being like lifted up yeah. um, into this harness. Um, <laughs> but then you, I, I, I looked at my outfit, you know, because you wear the harness underneath your, uh, your clothes. And I wear like, this cream shirt and just me and my underwear with this harness and a top hat. I really look clockwork orange. Yeah, so I right. Like, hey. I was like, I yes, kind of like this look. I like it. I like doing stunts. Um, I like doing, you know, uh, things that you wouldn't expect uh, my character to do or even uh, me as an actor to do. People are always like, wait, that was you? And I was like, yeah, well, I assumed you wouldn't do them. And I was like, because what? 
And it's just like, what? <laughs> what were you going to say? And it's like, no, because I mean, like, you know, I just, you're just so like, you know, tender. And I feel like you wouldn't have the energy or the, and then you're like, you know, you're, you're also, you're, and they're like, what, what are we going to say? You're, also, you're, you're fuller, you know? And I don't think. Oh, they're talking about size. Why? Yeah. What? Well, they're talking about everything. They're talking about well, size. You have to, you like, have to be a, a miniature person to be put on wires. Well, the thing is, they're talking about pretty much the size thing. They're like, well, I just didn't expect, you know, and then the stunt, there was one person who said, my mom doesn't believe that's you doing the stunt. I had just posted a video of me in rehearsal. The mom was like, that's still not him. And I was like, what the fuck do I have to do (laughs) to to, to prove that it's me? Like, it's like, it's my video of me at rehearsal in in like a back room with the rest of the performer, you know, the stunt actors. And even then the mom was like, I don't know. Feels you like what? This, this is a deep fake. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, what? So it's like you have to, yeah, I always say you have to work three times as hard just to prove you're just as good, you know? And it's yes. unfortunate for me, has uh, has felt like that, uh, you know, being a person of size, uh, being Latinx, mm. being queer. I oh, and that's at the the trifecta. It's like I always have to prove myself three times as hard just so you can see me just as good. And that's the way I've always seen my career because uh, people are always a surprise. You know, they're always like, but you're, you know, I think I heard that you're, and it's like queer. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> did you think you were going to play? But you're, you know, fat. It's like, yes, I didn't want to see that. <laughs> so like, you're like, you're, which, oh, you know. which, which word are we being quiet about? Yeah, which would be offending <laughs> with me today? And it's like, right. well, you know, so you know, that, the tacos. Uh, I can't, that one's I <laughs> referring to me being fat, or if you're referring to me being Mexican. So you have to be more specific with your hurtful comments. Right. First of all, where did you grow up? In California? I grew up in uh, Southern California. Yeah, I was born in Orange County, mm-hmm. and not the good side. Whenever I say that, people are like, "Oh, cool!" Like the show. I was like, "No, no!" Like the other side of Orange County. Yeah. Um, I'm aware. Santa Ana. And it, when it got too dangerous, there we moved around. My dad had a construction company that he worked with and they travel over Southern California building stuff and up to Las Vegas. So I moved everywhere. Like I grew up everywhere. So for me performing, you know, it started off again when I watched Annie when I was little mm-hmm. and I remember being like seven, I don't remember, like it was a TV special and I thought it was a show because we didn't have cable. That's for rich folk. And I was like, wow, this show's great. And I was like, their kids are singing and, dan- and I just fell in love with the, I had this crackle to it, like just watching these kids perform. And also I felt like I can uh, connect with them because they were they were poor they were in yeah. rags and stuff and I came from a poor family and so I looked at my mom I was like mom I want to be that I want to be an orphan oh <laughs> uh, we share this experience I really did too yeah I grew, I grew up in San Jose California ah. and and um uh, yeah I didn't have c- cable either um and it was in the 80s so I had to see my Madonna videos at my friend's house um <laughs> I got into acting and moving around a lot kind of uh, became like a vaudeville show. You know, every town was the next stop. And like, so I would go to schools like, you know, for a year I do like, you know, my academia there. And then like, it was time to pick up and move to the next city because the job was somewhere else. And so it became like a a touring show for me. Like at that, I'm really glad that I had that mentality because otherwise it could have been a very devastating moment in time in my life because I would have to, I knew I was going to say bye to those friends. I knew they weren't forever, but I wanted to be the best friend while I was there. So while I went to every school, I had those friends would always write me letters to the new school. So I had pen pals. And so oh. I was like a, like a, you know, like a traveling like person, like a GI or something like reading my letters, you know? Yeah. 
eating my like golden messages on the mirrors. Yeah, you, eating my golden fish crackers during lunch. And so, dear Harvey, we miss you terribly. Oh, these are good cookies. You know, <laughs> like reading all my like letters. And then There's that- no continued. checks in here. Yeah, <laughs> I asked for checks. What kind of friendship is this? Oh. And I was just, uh, it, was, it was nice because I, I always wanted a stage mom. My mom hated the fact that I wanted to be an actor. Like she hated it. Because she was you gotta have a gimmick, out. kid. Yeah, she was like, she was looking out for me because she she pointed out, she said, um, on the like, you know, where do you see kids who look like you on TV? Because there wasn't. And she pointed that out to me, and I was like, You're right. And she's like, Miko, so like, you know, it's it's if it's something you want to do, it's so like you just have to find your way. Because I remember asking her for money for an improv class, an improv class when I was like six or seven when I saw Annie. Because wow. I don't know what that's when you set your children down, being like, We have a problem. <laughs> Literally. And I asked her for the money, and it was like $12.50 at the local community, whatever center. And she's like, No, no, tenemos, you know, we have no money for that. And I was like, But I really want to do it. And she goes, Miko, no, tenemos. like we were poor. Like $12.50 was laundry, was food, you know what I mean? And I hated that my friend, who was also a fellow thespian, I said, Thespian, um, she <laughs> went to her mom and got a 20. You know, and then she came back and she's like, well, ask your mom, you know, don't you do chores? And I was like, yeah, I do chores. Well, don't you get an allowance? And I was like, what the fuck is an allowance? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you didn't get paid in my house to do dishes. Like, you did not get paid to do your, like, that was what you, you, you know, you contributed to the family. Your payment was food every night. And there's food and there's roof over your, your head. Um, so I went to my mom and I, and I kind of argued that. I was like, don't I get an allowance? And she's like, Pfft. And then she was like, who the fuck have you been talking to? Yeah. Um, and then she said no. And she's like, well, if I get the money, can I take my class myself? And she said, Miko, if you can find your own way, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, okay. Magic. That was will. magic. And that was life-changing for me because I was like, yeah. if I can find my own way, I can do whatever I want in this life. And this is America. And the, the American dream is possible if you find your own way. And so I was like, fine, I'm going to do it fuck how am i gonna like collect two dollars with these cents i'm like six and so when they were walking home from school and there was this man at the park um going through a trash can i was like what is he doing this mom? story never ends well <laughs> yeah and then she's like oh vende los botes she he sells cans like you make money off trash and she's like well you recycle the recyclables so i ran in her closet got a wire hanger unhooked it no wire hangers and yeah. then i went through trash cans and i collected cans uh for four weeks to earn the money Oh my god. That's gosh. amazing. That's a lot. Yeah. Because At I went six? after after two weeks, I went and I thought I had enough. And they were like, six, do you have six dollars and like 32 cents? And I was like, I was like, oh. what? But I did it every day after school for two weeks because my mind is it wasn't am the amount of cans I was finding. It was like every day I'm doing it, every day I'm doing it, every day I'm yeah. doing it. And it has to pay off. And when it didn't pay off, I was like, ah, oh, there's another level to this. It's not just me doing it every day. I have to do it really good and really good every day and bring in those cans every day and go to parties and go to quinceañeras. And I would go to quinceañeras. I would crash quinceañeras I wasn't invited to as a kid <laughs> and just be like dancing and collecting people's cans into my bag. Do you want to, to finish this? Yeah, yeah, you're done with this modelo, right? <laughs> well, you know, also at that, at that age, I knew I had nothing. So you have nothing to lose. But you that's I mean? really smart for a young kid to think, I'm going to go to these events and yeah. just go in and collect that stuff. Like, that's not... That's I would, not the norm. That's, that's not, not the norm. norm. And I knew that as a young age because I think I had to grow up quicker than the norm kid. I feel like the moving around helped with that. You have to be mature in a lot of, and I also feel like this is maybe uh, being, you know, Latinx, like it's a, like you really have to grow up sometimes really fast because the certain things that are a part of our culture are just uh, expected of you. Like, you know, you have to have out the house if, um, 
you know, doing chores and stuff. It's part of your routine. If you are on a farm, you have to go feed the chicken. Like there's these things that are yep. not like, oh, we'll do it for fun and like, you know, and just for whatever. No, you have to do it. It's part of what you do. And so you really got to get quick on your feet, which helped me with improv because I was really quick on my feet. So it all started there and it just escalated to me trying to be a vampire now. <laughs> well, it's been, it it's been, it's been successful. I, you won a GLAAD award mm-hmm. for Raising Hope. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Um, so the, the episode I did uh, won GLAAD award. So it was like, you know how they, you know, since the episode one, when we were the characters who are portraying them, we win the GLAAD award, but it wasn't like a presented to, you know, <laughs> which I'm still waiting for. It's not on your mantle. Glad. Yeah. No. I was like, I want that GLAAD nomination now. Okay. It's like, you know, right? you've been basically outspoken as a representative, as a gay person in Hollywood from all along, essentially. Right. Yeah, it's I never, not something that you have you've been shy about. No, I never um, hid who I was, which is so funny because people are always surprised. Um, like they're just like, "Oh, I didn't know that you know uh, you're mm-hmm. you're a queer, you're part of the community." And it's like, "Well, you never asked because you it wasn't sexy enough to put it on the cover of a magazine, or it wasn't you know hot for me to hold a snake and be like, who comes out is it was that idea of like it's.' Can not- we do this now?" you know what I mean and it's just like I would do it now but no one ever asked because um at the end of the day those announcements always have a a a meaning behind it it's um it's the angle that they're playing because it's like it's sexy to come out or it's uh taboo and it's all of a sudden you're top of conversation again when it shouldn't be that way it should be your sexuality it's like you should be you and everyone who you want to share that with should know and they should embrace it and celebrate it and still put you on the cover of a magazine and still you know, talk to you. And- Have you always felt confident presenting yourself as your true self? I, I have. I feel like, you know, even looking back at high school where I wasn't officially like out, if you will, I was just myself and it went without saying because no one had a reason to question me because I was my authentic self. You know what I mean? Like I was my sure. self and people were just like, I love him. He's great. And whether it was, if you have a question about my sexuality, why are you asking? Is it because you're interested or is it because you just want to know? And when you're just being nosy, there's a difference between being like, oh, I didn't know. Wow. Thanks for sharing with me. Uh, I also am. Let's go on a date. That's a different story yeah. as opposed to like, I want to know who's banging who. And I want to know right. who's queer and I want to know who's gay. It's like, that's, that's that's petty you know what i mean well that's a reflection on the person asking more than them wanting to connect right how are you going to change your mind about me depending on how i answer this exactly but i think when you step into your professional world you start having to consider things that you maybe don't want to or wouldn't necessarily oh, no. I was I was told on early in my career like you know I I had a for different reasons too like I had you know uh an agent who was long gone but uh that was like who knew that I was queer you know and they were just like we don't need to you know we don't need to have parade about it and I was like, <laughs> who needs pride no yeah and I was like yeah. well what and what it was like, do? don't call it love but this is what was really upsetting to me and later i had to realize how many levels and layers of of fucked up uh this was was because they themselves were queer right yeah the agent was queer and he to portray and say that to a young artist who is up and coming um was very disheartening looking back because i was like that could have been a great moment to be my biggest support would be like, you're going to change things. You're going to be, you know, your authentic self and be who you want to be. And no one's going to stop you. It could have and been a professional he, mentor for sure. It was, and this is a professional mentor telling me to like, 
let's just, nah, you know, even if people ask, let's find a way to like, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. And it's like, do you well, think he was protecting you? Or do I, you I think, think he was, was in his old Hollywood ways because like we just spoke earlier in the eighties and in the nineties, like, it's like, it was still hard. And, and he came from that cause he was, a young kid in the eighties and I, you know what I mean? Like, so he came from that world when he was trying to be an actor cause he was an actor turned agent. And so like when he tried to be an actor, those doors were shut for him because people could already sense, you know? Right. Um, and I think he was trying to protect me from that. And at the end of the day, I get it. Cause you know, people are a product of their time and their environment, but also is a time to educate and to be like, that's not the way things are. And if they are, then they need to change. And so right. nothing's going to change until someone takes that risk and is willing to put their livelihood on the line to make a point. And if you make a point, you hope that you come out on the other side, um, you know, okay and well, um, but then you don't look back and have regret. Absolutely. It's unfortunate that that is still alive. It's amazing that you kicked it to the curb and continued anyway, because we need you to do that. People, other like, people need you to do that. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, I've done a good job of, uh, of playing characters that, um, that represent, you know, queerness and also characters that don't necessarily have to fall in that category because, you know, queer actors can play, you know, other than just queer, but how about giving the chance for queer actors to play queer characters? <laughs> can sure. we focus mm-hmm. on, if you're going to focus so much on like, well, they can't play straight because, you know, they're queer. Well, can they play also, can they play queer because you're not using them for those roles? So right. <laughs> can right. they also go and play those characters? So my mentality is like, you know, uh, it's slowly but surely changing. It is changing, but I like to pride myself in doing roles where um people are like oh my god i loved you in like that i did a horror film truth or dare where like um that guy was totally hetero you know and like was you know uh hitting on someone people are like i loved him i was like i didn't even i didn't think that i thought you were but then you play and i was like that's the job of an actor i can be whoever you want me to be yeah and it's like you can bring this character to life you know they bring their your their wants and desires and sexual desires and who they are like it's like all of that can be brought to life that's the job of the actor you know it's like you can't put their personal life intertwined with the character that's not the character where a character is one thing and you personal life is another right well you, sorry go do you feel a lot of pressure to be a role model um no i don't feel pressure to be a role model i never asked to send to be a role model but i always say if i'm a role model to anyone um then i'm doing something you know i'm doing something right that someone's uh admiring and so then i'm gonna just keep doing me and keep doing my journey and if that in any way helps people then uh then that's all that i can do that's all i can ask for that makes me happy because i grew up in the 80s but i was still living in a landscape that was toxic and oppressive and even though i've watched it change and i've I feel like I've come out the other end. I'm always going to have the battle scars. So I love seeing the younger people. I'm seeing evidence that they don't have to carry those around. So thanks. Oh, <laughs> it's well, awesome. Thanks, thanks to people like you that like made, I, I may have um, battle scars that you don't know about either, but they're not probably as deep and as, um, you know, harsh for someone who paved the way earlier for us to like be able to walk that uh, mile a little bit easier. Well, you um, definitely have others as well. I mean, you're absolutely. dealing with Latinx community is still underrepresented completely. For, for the amount of uh, Latinx that make up the United States, the representation on television film, it does not compare. And the buying power, especially, you know, across the, the U.S., um, is a there's a huge market for Latinx, uh, you know, characters and products and whatnot. 
And yet it's such a hurdle to get that point across and be like, why don't we have more movies? Why don't we have more? And now just now we're getting slowly getting a taste of those stories that like stuff like that, where like, it's like, oh, it's a, a look into the world. It's like, well, that life has been happening all around you for decades, you know, you just never tapped in because we were never given the opportunity to invite you into the home and to show you. And so now people are like, I really like that show. Um, it's that Spanish show um, about a family who um, lives every day and um, they have <laughs> and oh God, what's that thing they have? Um, love and respect for their family. It's, you have to watch it. It's, it's so, <laughs> I don't want to say, I don't want to speak out of turn, but it reminds me a little like my family. <laughs> it's so weird. And it's like, it is your fucking family. It right. is everyone's family. We can all relate to Latinx family and Asian American. We can all relate to them because it's family is the core of it. We're just not letting those people tell their stories. I mean, horror is huge. If you go to Mexico, Brazil, any place, they love Chucky. They love Freddy Krueger. And they're also not in any of the movies, like the characters. And I feel like you guys have now been introduced to the horror convention world, right? Yeah, I went to Dragon Con last year and people in line um, came up to me and the, there were some guests uh, who were Latinx and they're like, that tears in their eyes. And yep. they uh, identify with that world. They're into the darkness, they're into goth, they're into scary, they're into fear. And they're not represented on television. They came up to like, you don't know how much it means to me to see someone and they go getting teary eyed saying this to who looks like me on TV, who is part of this world. And then really, touched me and it got to me because I said, you're right, there isn't representation. I mean, there's not enough representation as it is, but can you imagine, we're just trying to get Latinx representation seen, yeah. never mind the categories of like horror, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and in that list, like that category is at the bottom. Like if anyone was going to say, well, let's start making more movies like next with comedy and a rom-com or an action. Do you think the first thing would be horror? And they're not usually, that's not the top of the list, you know, but yeah, it right. should <clears throat> just as even as everything else, because there's kids out there who need to see themselves and representation does matter. And you can say that until you're blue in the face, but representation does matter. It's very important. I think horror is going to be the gateway for that though. I mean, it already is with gay topics um, and black stories and i feel like that's probably going to lead the way in this case um welcome that, that genre is something about that genre that people just are willing to drop their guard and their defense and just go with it because you know they're already gonna be like okay i'm in i'm in i want to get scared i want to see what the story mm -hmm. is i'm in i'll believe it um, if a monster comes out, okay, I'm in. I believe it. If a character comes out who happens to be Latinx, okay, I'll believe it. You know what I mean? It's because by yeah. that point, you're willing to accept the story and not already be like, I don't know. I don't want to go watch that movie. <laughs> Can I relate it to this? Yeah. It helps you work out your demons, whether you realize it or not. Mm -hmm. While you're watching somebody find their inner power and come out, like conquer the beast. Mm -hmm. If it just seems like a monster movie, that's great. But on a subconscious level, on a subtext level, it's all about that. So hopefully that, I mean, you are now welcome into this world where like, they're not going to forget you. That's the cool thing about horror. It's what we talk about a lot. It's like, they're loyal you have forever, forever. So like, you know, you could do some great comedies that are hit, but like, if, as soon as you've done horror, you're at every convention and they will line up because you mean <laughs> something to them. Because well, you have I, tapped I into that. Just the taste of it this past season with just some of the cons. I was supposed to go to a couple of horror cons this season, mm -hmm. um, but 
due to COVID and stuff that obviously is postponed with good reason and uh, and will happen again in the future, I'm sure. But that was my first time ever being in that world with Comic-Con last year. I'd never been to Comic-Con before uh, last year. Every time I tried to go, it was super expensive. Couldn't afford it when I was young. Like, you know, there was always a limit. And to think that the first time to go to Comic-Con with you with this show and with the fans <laughs> that we have and the sold out crowd and now going to like, you know, Halloween cons or horror cons and all people who are like wanting to to say hi and like meet you it's kind of uh it blows my mind it's like really awesome and uh and yeah those fans are loyal i can i will i will do everything i can for them because they are the most loyal <laughs> fan base right. it's it, it is it is really something i mean it was very overwhelming to us at first to witness that through mark Patton's experience in the nightmare on elm street movie um and then but but i realized quickly like when you connect with somebody on that level, they don't forget it. And it's important, you know? So have you always welcome. been a, have you always been a spooky kid? I I feel like I was uh I I'm always into I've always been to like stuff that's spooky, but I didn't consider myself a spooky kid because I just thought it was just me being me. But in a weird way looking back, I was like, oh no. And then I look at like my sister, my sister is so into that world and looking at it like she, her birthday was last week and she got a one of a kind Chucky doll. <laughs> like is she yes. older or younger? She's older younger than me. And like, okay. uh, but people say we could be twins because we look exactly the same. Spooky <laughs> sister for life. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're thrilled that you're on this show. So yeah, I think this is the first show that my whole family is like, I like it. And my mom usually watches, um, you know, stuff that I do in the past that will have subtitles or whatnot because uh, she speaks Spanish and she speaks English as well, but like, she's not really like, trying to watch a show in English, mejor no, like Spanish shows and whatnot. But like she watched the show and it was like funny because as a Mexican mom, she's always been like, I can always tell my mom's just being supportive. She's like, oh, está bueno. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, that, like that friend that you invited to come see a play and they come like, did you guys like it? And they go, wow. Oh, how did you the costumes were so great. Yeah, the lighting was it was looks on. Like fun. It looks like you were having fun. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it looks like you, oh, how'd you learn all them lines? <laughs> <laughs> but my mom usually is so supportive in the way where I could tell that she's just being like, oh, my so, but for this, she's actually just like, that she's still so, like, you know, which is like the biggest, like, all of it, she actually has to like not pretend to like it. She's just like, that she's still so, and she's like really meaning it. it's funny. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Well, I think it's time for our top five segment. And Harvey, since you are the new Van Helsing hero that we love, I thought we needed to hear about some of the people that have inspired you. Is it super, is it, it's heroes, right? Right. Yeah. Just badass heroes. Uh, well, your top five. Actual, like fictional superheroes or... It is like, absolutely your interpretation. My heroes would be like Frida Kahlo, mm. um, which I love. Um, and I kind of want to put Diego Rivera with her, but that would be like two for one, but not really because they're two different artists. And they were just heroes to me where like, um, I don't know, being little and reading about them, just, I feel like they were ahead of their time and what they represented, especially for the uh, the people of Mexico, you know? So I think right. for me, that's a big one. Um, I've always admired uh, MLK. And I think for heroes as artists, um, it would be Frida Arisata. And then I think Cesar Chavez as well, just because of what he did for, for workers, like farm workers community. Uh, I think a lot of them had to do with like culture. So I feel like I 
I feel like I've always admired people who make change and change for good. So I always, I always like superheroes, like superheroes with capes. But for me, like I remember getting more excitement, like when we were talking class about like Martin Luther King, you know. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I also really, I've added her to my list as uh, AOC. You know. Oh my God, she is mm -hmm. on my list as well. Yeah, I really have because even with you know the things that she's, and she's so cool and so young, and she has such a great way of like putting things in their place and right. staying focused when everyone else is trying to distract her yeah she and she can and still it, make her yeah. point and making yeah exactly it like it's like uh, trying to make a change make a difference and and yet she has colleagues who will blatantly call her a bitch to her face and yep. she that moment it's like i'm not gonna let you make this moment about you trying to destroy me I'm gonna make a TikTok video right. <laughs> with Megan Thee Stallion or someone. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, so she's so strong because I know that if that was me, I would be like screaming obscenities and forgetting what my point was. Right. And then and she course, never does. And that's exactly what they would want her to do because they'd be like, see, she's so emotional. She's so yeah. emotional. Like she can and the way that she carries herself is so amazing. So I've never met her. So I think like if I met her, that'd be like meeting one of my living heroes. Uh, I think I would agree with you. I would I, I would put her on my list too. What about you, Tyler? Do you have anybody? Well, I went a little bit more fictional. Um, my childhood hero was Red Sonia. I don't know if anybody saw this movie. It's from 1985. It's kind of like the female sword and sandal movie from Conan. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is in this movie as well with Brigitte Nielsen. And she's badass and she's got fire red hair. She wields uh, a sword and kills anyone who gets in her way. She was a very tough character. Absolutely. One tough cookie. I never mm. saw that. I, I grew up loving <laughs> It's a Wonder terrible Wonder. movie, but I love it so much. Uh, it's a little problematic now in 2020 eyes, but um, at the time when, you know, there wasn't a lot of superhero movies made in the 80s. And when I was getting to them in the 90s, Batman was great and all, but Secretly, I wanted to be Red Sonia. Oh, that's Aww. cute. Maybe I'll call you that. My mother would let wake me up from nap time to watch Wonder Woman because she was that's my so favorite. That's so awesome. She, it really was like, I would get very excited. Actually, the very, very first time I was ever really thrilled from a, a, an action-y situation was the great Muppet caper when Miss Cookie's on the motorcycle and decides she's going to kick ass and crashes <laughs> through the window. My mom took me to you the theater. The sound effect with Miss Piggy. Well, <laughs> that was the first time that I felt that kind of thrill. My mom's like, there's something here. <laughs> right. I, I loved watching Batman Returns. Yes. And I remember, it was so dramatic, and I, I, I had such a flair for the dramatic. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching that, and I thought Michelle, Michelle. was so good. And there was just like, I thought her lines were just like, she's fantastic. Like, it was yep. like so dramatic, and just like getting shot, and she's like, six, seven, <laughs> all the girls go to heaven. And I was like, what? Who has enough time and breath to sit over in the middle of a shootout? And like even like the lines when she comes and she's like, "Honey, I'm home." Oh, that's oh right. God, I'm not married. Hell, Hell here. here. <laughs> Catwoman's on my list, actually. She, Did you yeah, all she... see the video of Michelle Pfeiffer finding her With old whip? With the whip. Yeah. No. Look, look what I just found. Oh my gosh. She's yeah, like, I have to find it or send it to me. Send it to me. I'll send I, it to you. Yeah. You. In that movie, I like really, really loved 
like all the villains. Even I even like uh, Christopher Walken, except when like he scares me and throws her out the window. Oh. But I've been oh, like, yeah. I was like, I like all the villains, which is a good sign of a good director, I guess. And Tim Burton directed that picture. Right. So like, it was a good sign that he made the villains even likable because you, who are you rooting for? You know what I mean? You're right. like, oh man, I kind of like all the characters. All but I them. really, really uh, like Catwoman. <laughs> I always Ditto. felt like that was like uh, the analogy of my young life when she's trying and trying and people are just like pushing her down. And finally she has had it. And she lets out that scream and the glass shatters. And at that point, she's not fucking around anymore. And the and music that, is just like uh, a violin that didn't get the note rise on. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, make it stop. And she's like, <laughs> and the cat's coming and licking her wounds. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, ah. So good. It's so good. As we wrap up, we like to give you the floor to assign homework to any of our audience members, anything that you are loving, that you're reading, that you're watching, listening to, anything that you haven't plugged already, what should the people know about? Um, I want everyone to visit or revisit a classic. I was surprised recently how many people do not know the work of uh, Miss Amy Sedaris in Strangers with Candy. And the fact that people are still like, they're like what? Oh, that lady who has the show of, uh, I was like, no, 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 no. No, 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 you need to go right now. And they're like, oh, Harvey, you're hurting me. It's like, listen to me. <laughs> go right now and watch every episode and every season. It only, you know, it, it'll take you one afternoon. And okay, it'll take you a weekend. But still, the, the point is, I'm so surprised of how many people are not in awe of this woman's genius. And you know I, that Tyler and I recite every episode. <laughs> verbatim together. I, I will go, I, I auditioned for a, a Japanese musical uh, years ago after college. With, they asked me for a monologue. I did Packing a Musket. <laughs> yeah, very nice. When you work from home and John's call on the phone, you're a call girl. You're a call girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think I you're snorted. my favorite I think person. I snorted uh, <laughs> unironically. Oh my God. Right, right. That was you don't want to beat me or screw me? What kind of marriage is this? Bring a book. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We're we're friends. This is awesome. Oh, best friends, friends. forever. Oh shit! Thank you so much for talking to us. I really appreciate it. I think you're a wonderful person. I'm you're so adorable. happy that you are. I love your character on the show. I'm so glad it's there. It made me very happy. Um, I needed that character in my life. Right. We all need uh, a little Guillermo. I think we all need him. All need Guillermo. We need plush dolls. We need t-shirts. All right. So. Mongoose. Thank you so much for this. Right. This was lovely. Thank you for having me. This was fun. And when this is all crazy and done and I'm in Brooklyn, we'll have to have a Strangers with Candy night. Please. Oh, my God. You know what? We really should. I've been trying to throw a Night of a Thousand Jerry's forever. (laughs) I don't know. Bogey nights. Oh, oh my God! Okay. Stop anyway, it. You're my favorite person. Thank yeah. You. Let's keep in touch, okay? Thank you. Thanks, for this. Poppy. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Have a good night. Okay. Good I'm gonna right. go. I gotta say goodbye. goodbye because my dog is dying. She okay. Bye. Outside. Have a good bye. one. Bye. bye. Good night. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Or what, huh?
You gonna hit me? You wanna take a poke at me? No, I'm not gonna hit you, Jerry. You don't wanna beat me or screw me? What kind of marriage is this? Bring a book.